Hello and welcome to What Our Point Weekly, where we bring together a variety of perspectives to discuss the biggest stories of the week and decide what our point, or if in fact there are no point at all. Please, if you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Today it is Friday, July 15th. Ben and Dan are here. Hello. And then we also have Remy back. Hello, Remy. Hi, how are you? So as our resident um, European explainer, this week the dollar and the euro hit parity. I don't really understand. Isn't that that's good for that that's good for some people, but bad for other people? Like it's good for some Americans if you're going to Europe. It's good for like a a French winemaker if you're shipping wine to America, right? But it's bad for Explain to us exactly how this shift influences everyday lives and then sort of like the global economic picture. Yeah, um, it is, as you said, positive for the U.S. because it's allowed the U.S. to import uh, goods uh, at a lower price. So it's reduced inflation for the U.S. So that's that's good. Another flip side is just bad for everyone else. Like you look in Japan, in the U.K., in, uh, in Chile, the Chilean pesos. It means more inflation for, for them. And unfortunately, because of the energy crisis, most of those countries have uh, a trade deficit. Like Germany, for example, they used to always have a positive uh, trade and be happy with a weak euro because they could get uh, more of their goods uh, at higher value. But now with the energy crisis, even Germany has a trade deficit. So a weak euro, it's bad for them. And it happens because everyone is afraid that's with what's going on ahead of us. Uh, everyone is hiding in the in the dollars, which is a you know the safe haven in those type of environment. It's scary what's going on in Europe with uh, with uh, Russia and the gas situation. I mean, in 2022 you got a, pandem- a pandemic, a global pandemic two years ago, and now we are speaking about rationing gas in Europe, trying to tell, uh, trying to prevent companies, industry to produce, trying to prevent uh, consumers to hit their home as they want. I mean, it's really things that have not been heard of for for decades that we thought were, you know, something of the past. So now you have a war in, in Europe and rationing. In Japan, you get the central bank that is not willing to increase rate to tame inflation. So the market is playing against uh, the yen so that's why you see all over the place uh, just it's a mess except in relative terms in the u.s where the u.s are enjoying uh, some uh, energy independence and enjoying the effect of a stronger dollar so the question is what could happen to reverse this trend it's hard to answer one it's central bank in europe in japan uh, pushing rates higher, but if they do that, they will create more probabilities of recession for their local economy. So it's a very tricky, uh, very tricky uh, trade-off. And due to large uncertainty, yeah, it's 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 not easy to to see a, a quick reversal, even if everyone seems to agree that the dollar is overvalued. I think the question I mean I had for you is like. Do you think the central bank in Europe can raise rates at all, right? Is that just going to lead to, because you're going to have like an energy and then rate rise, like recession. So I feel like they're kind of hamstrung on there's like nothing to do. And that the only thing you do is like have Germany turn back on the nuclear reactors. No, that's not, that's not enough. Um, there is a recession already priced in in Europe. So um, the ECB has a bit more room to increase rates because it's already priced in. 
Um, it might be priced in, but it's going to get worse if they raise rates. It will get worse one way or another. So now you need to pick your poison. What you don't want is you don't want to lose credibility. So if things have to go from bad to worse, at least you have to keep your credibility for the future years. So that's why I, I do believe that they will have to hike and to hike substantially, um, just in order to anchor expectation and not lose face. Because then after the market will push the euro even lower and that's just you, you spiral and you don't want to end it up with what happened with the British uh, sterling few few decades ago when uh, Soros uh, broke um, the the bank uh, the Bank of England so that's that's how I see it. that's how I see it I don't know I think euro trading at 80 cents to the dollar would be great you'd have to get a lot of French wine <laughs> Seth, it should be extremely be, bad see, for inflation you should kind of you should root for that friend Seth and then you can open a wine store with Remy in New York City and just like buy 10 years of wine at once so wait so, wait, so yeah so, wait, am I, is, so am I hearing this right should I just basically move all of my dollars that I still have in the U.S. over into euros and then buy an electric car here. Like this is this is how my stupid idiot brain is interpreting all this information. No, I, I don't like all wrong. I I don't think we've seen the bottom yet. Maybe Remy mm-hmm. would disagree, but I feel like there's a ways to go because mm-hmm. the Fed is going to hike 100 basis points next week. So there's like only a inflation problem in the U.S. versus the like also energy crisis that's going on in Europe. So I feel like it's more complicated there. So you have you should wait three months. That'd be my advice. I don't know. All right, noted. So wait. Dan, what are your uh, thoughts on the Fed's recent strategy? I was reading about how it seems like it's kind of working, that because of recent numbers that are coming in, inflation is not necessarily going down, but leveling off or its expectations. So, and it takes, there's like a lag period, right? It's going to take a little time for yep. these moves to even get into the economy. So does it it look like, the, or do you think the, the Fed is doing too much? Now they're going to like over scare the markets and tip us into a I don't think so I feel like the numbers the inflation numbers every couple weeks are just like beyond what even I don't know the last print was kind of more they're getting to be more like I don't know confusing maybe is the word we're saying this the last three or four months that the persistence was confusing and I feel like that's happening because you're seeing like some of the early drivers have leveled off but then there's like new drivers so no I think 100 basis point hike for the Fed is well justified and we probably need to go more than that why why is this I was also reading that the Fed looks at some report that comes out of the University of Michigan about like consumer sentiment. How did that? How did that happen? How is it Michigan in particular? Or, or? Yeah, and like why? What is it exactly <laughs> that they're looking at, and why is no, it? No, I mean they look at a lot of. It's basically just like any a lot of different academic universities will publish reports, and so one just happens to come out of the University of Michigan. It's not like Michigan is better than everyone. But that said, the new vice chair at the Fed, who's starting in a week or two was the dean of the school of like public policy at michigan so maybe that's why he's gonna really look at it because he was in charge of that report up until two weeks ago so the michigan report is tracked by the fed because it's the one that track consumer inflation expectation um and why is it important is the fed does not want um, inflation to spiral so they don't want consumer in the u.s to believe that inflation will get worse in the future in that case, they have a mindset to kind of uh, rush their expensive, asking aggressively um, uh, pay raises. And that is something that it's a mental it's a mental state that the Fed wants to make sure that the U.S. consumer 
is not shifting into this mental state. And that's why this is a so, report that is closely monitored by the Fed. As cultural tastemakers here on the podcast at What Our Point, what, uh, how should we be trying to sway the, the culture? Is, is inflation going to get worse? Is it going to be, be better? What is, what is the right sentiment here? Mechanically, I mean, most likely in my view, it will get uh, better just because of the base effect. Throughout 10% is extremely high. But so I think it's a safe bet to say that it will get better in the, the months or quarter to come. I mean, you look at copper, it's down 30%. You look at oil, it's already down a fair, yeah, a bit less than 20%. Um, so you see the commodities have, have gave back uh, a lot of their uh, a lot of their prices over the past few weeks. And then you see housing also in the U.S. Um, the, there is just a big slowdown in prices, in price increase in the U.S. The real question after is like, if we go back to four or five, it's just not enough. The Fed want to have uh, the inflation encode at 2%. Um, and that is a real question. Right? How will we be able to go back to 2%? How will we go back to 2%? And most likely, it will lead um, to be led by the Fed um, just creating a, a ugly recession. We are already in recession in the U.S. Um, recession is a two negative uh, quarters in real term. So real GDP growth was negative in Q1, and with inflation averaging 8% in Q2, it's hard to imagine that GDP nominal term will be more than 8% in the U.S. So technically, we, we are probably already in recession in the U.S. The question is more the depth, because it's a weird recession where we're in recession, but unemployment is at all-time low. Uh, spending is all-time high. Um, everything is booming, right? So, but it's so booming in the U.S. or around the yeah in the U.S. that you cannot really fly without uh, disruption. There is just too much demand in the system, despite already being in a recession. It's a very odd uh, state where we are. So wait, can someone explain to me what's happening with oil a little bit? Because I like a couple of weeks ago, Biden floated the idea of putting like a price cap on Russian oil. And now he's like buddying up to Mohammed bin Salman, it seems like to get them to pump more oil. So like you basically want more oil globally on the market, but then you want to cap prices for specifically Russian oil. How does that even work? I don't even I don't get like how, how you could do that because the Russian oil is being traded in markets outside of Russia. Is that why? Like what does is is price caps a a reasonable strategy here, or that's just lunacy? It seems like a lot of people think that would be the wrong tech. I don't have much, um, I would say, uh, insight into the, the strategy. My understanding is Germany doesn't really want to uh, push the button too much right now uh, because they would like uh, gas to keep uh, flowing a little bit to avoid some uh, uh, dark rationing. So that's why it seems that the price cap, the European don't really seem to back price cap. But I don't know enough um, because China, they don't want to comply. Mexico, China, India, they continue to buy uh, oil from uh, Russia. And they don't consider that Russia has done anything wrong, right? They are more, they are either neutral or on Russian side. So that's why I'm not sure that in, in practice, those price cap would be enforced. And I'm not even sure that. So you'd have theory. to make you basically have to make everyone except for Russia agree to the price cap for it to work. That's my understanding, but it's real topic. I, I don't really, uh, uh, I don't really master. Okay. All right. What else should we talk about? I don't know. Do you have any strong opinions on Kevin Durant? <laughs> I don't know. I still think he could very much so 
go to the Pelicans, but I the don't Pelican? know. I have, yeah, why not? They, yeah, the Pelicans uh, have the most compelling uh, trade package for the Nets because they could give up Ingram and six first round picks because they have like 13. The issue is whether or not Durant wants to go to the Pelicans. But such a a small market, no? Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's mattering less and less in the modern NBA, but I don't know. It, it, It feels like Durant doesn't understand what he wants. He almost seemed like he was happiest in OKC when he was a younger guy. Uh, and that's even a smaller market than New Orleans. So who knows? Hard. I think he's going to play with Brooklyn again this year. I don't, I don't right. like, especially with the Aiton max deal being a max offer sheet. And then ha- that being matched by the Suns that takes like one of the biggest trade ships off the market. Cause the Suns now cannot trade him until January. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's too many other teams that line up, you know, with the exception of, of someone like New Orleans, for instance. But that it's doesn't right. So Seth, can you just do like a thirty-second sales pitch on how great? Yeah, why is. you should? Oh God, yeah, yeah, you can. Like, what's your favorite you, spots recently? To go there you to? go. Well, he'll gain a lot of weight, as Zion can tell him, and that maybe he'll he'll then be better in the post. He can uh, hang out on Frenchman Street and Bourbon Street. I don't think. I think it would be hard for him on Bourbon Street because he'd stick out. You know, he'd just be walking and everybody would see him. But, um, yeah, actually, to be honest, I would prefer to just keep Ingram. I don't want to get involved with the whole Kevin Durant thing. He's like, I get that he's a transitional player and everything, but I I, I get Ben's point that he might – the trade request seemed bizarre. I mean, he has he just went there and they just, like – they never even had a chance to play together. Maybe he just doesn't like Kyrie as part of it. But then I also I also find it's so funny that uh, Utah buying Gobert for so much has just frozen the market because that was such a higher price. than so it's it sort of made everyone else less likely to negotiate. I'm sure all the other GMs in the league are really upset with whatever whatever that guy's name was that decided to way overpay for Gobert. But, That's um, classic new owner syndrome, right? Like new owner wants to make a big splash. Yeah, please. Minneapolis, right? Yeah, yeah, the the Timberwolves. They have a new they have a new owner yeah. now. Like, yeah. okay. Oh God, what is his name? Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. A Rod is like part of the consortium, but he's not like the the big bucks behind it. But um, yeah, yeah, no, it's like this is what new owners do. They uh they make stupid short sighted trades and they overpay because they want to increase in season ticket numbers, right? So they are making progress, that kind of thing. What do y'all think of the whole live golf tournament thing? Uh, <laughs> I think it's interesting to see what happens next year because this kind of came about in the middle of the season and like it's sort of only it, the impact of it has been really negated by the fact that all the live guys are still playing the majors and there's going to be some discussions about this in the off season like right now is the last major of the season the British Open so between now and you know the Masters there's potentially going to be talks about whether or not these guys are also going to be excluded from the majors. And that will be the truly impactful thing. Cause the majors is, you know, what 99% of people care about. That's so, where it so might be interesting. Ben, the, the Leaf uh, golfer have been allowed to play at the British open. Yes. So this is, uh, and they've gotten kind of mixed receptions. The planners have put like the most high profile live guys in like really shitty pairings at really shitty times just to kind of show <laughs> them that they're not necessarily so welcome, which is kind of interesting. But basically because these things are <clears throat> excuse me, technically like opens, it's up to the they're not under the direct governance of the PGA tour. So like the PGA tour runs 
all the smaller tournaments and then like the British Open has its own specific kind of governing body that determines its entry and eligibility criteria. So it's not I strictly mean, down to the PGA Tour. And so that's why for these last two Opens, since the Live Tour came out, the U.S. Open and now uh, and now the British Open, the Live guys have been able to play. But whether or not that's still going to be the case next year is the is the big question. I mean, I don't think it's a great sign for the PGA that Biden campaigned on like being hard, being a hardliner on Saudi Arabia. Now he is he just was meeting with. Mohammed bin Salman. It seems like the Saudis will be able to take a huge market share of golf from however they decide to do it by just paying for it. But then I, it's it's really interesting to me how the players like Roy McIlroy and Tiger, their argument against it is like, don't you want to play at Augusta National or like St. Andrews? It's, it's always about the history and sort of the and it's not about it. I, and, and now I, I read that. Uh, People suspect there's going to be some sort of antitrust or monopoly hearing or, or court case that goes because, uh, I mean, isn't the PGA ch- Tour Championship in some ways a monopoly? Isn't it, 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 isn't it like textbook definition that they're trying to use like these scare tactics and sort of leveraging personal relationships to get people to stay in this one organization, right? Like it just seems like... The PGA Tour I mean, also doesn't that have a every great professional event. sports league. Like, there's like not necessarily precedent for this kind of thing, right? Like, the NFL is exempt from antitrust legislation, right? Even though there have been yeah. like tiny little random things that have come up. The biggest difference is that the Live Tour is backed by a bottomless pot of money, so they can bring up these kind of frivolous lawsuits. I think it's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't understand the basis of this lawsuit that like a private organization has eligibility criteria. Like, this is not illegal in any way shape or form right you know there's anti there's non-compete clauses in in a huge portion of of contracts like sporting or otherwise i don't i don't see why this would be yeah, why I there guess. would be any basis for this case and i'm like you know i don't know i, I think like a, a lot of the the stuff that live golfers are saying is just absolute bullshit you know they're saying oh i could spend more time with my family but like the pga tour doesn't force you to do every event, right? Like you have to play 15 events to maintain your status. That That's it for the entire year. And like Liv is scheduling more events than that. So, you know, what is, what is this really about? It's just, it's purely about the money. And I, you know, the point about Biden and cozying up to the Saudis is interesting. I think it will also be interesting in a few weeks when the Liv tour goes to, I forget which, but they're going to a Trump course. So that's going to be another nice. clusterfuck. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I also think that, you know, there is something to the the history of a lot of these uh, these great courses and these great venues. I certainly would rather play St. Andrews or Augusta as opposed to whatever godforsaken clusterfuck Trump has come up with. So, you know, I'll play Mar-a-Lago with your new swing. No, ben. fuck that. No, I'm also completely sunburned because I played golf today and it was 95 degrees outside and it was... Didn't put off enough sunscreen. Did you speak about Top Gun in previous episodes? Right. No. What does that say that that's going to break all the records? I still haven't seen it, actually. Have you seen it, Remy? I I saw it a couple of times, but it was a bit like the the subtitle. You've seen it? Wait, repeat that. You've seen it a couple of times? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's that is it that good? Or does Marcel like it? No, I thought it was pretty good and, and but the the kind of uh, the subtitles uh, I mean the, the underlying story it's about the revenge of the white male American uh, yeah, white white male American what American white American male. Oh, how is that anyway? Um that's a revenge <laughs> of the, the white uh, white American male. Uh, on what middle revenge age. on who revenge uh, against uh, the boomer effect right about uh, the the sentiment that you are unable to be valued uh, anymore right that just the, the world has evolved and uh, you lose your privileges and this kind of uh, top gun does a, a good job to kind of draw you back into the what the, the, the 80s mm. and it's like Nothing has changed. There is no smartphone really in the movie. And but at the same time, it's like in today world, like it's relatively well balanced uh, between the, um, the the progress, social progress achieved over the past uh, three decades, but without the the feeling of uh, being uh, just uh, downgraded. So so that's that's why there were a lot of commentary about this. And then also the second angle is how. Just this movie on its own is trying to save uh, movie theaters. Uh. Uh, so that, that's why I think there was a lot in this movie that is just a movie. Um, and I think it's a great movie. It's just like uh, it's an action movie, but you don't really, uh, I think you're surprised. You, you don't really know where it goes. It's so much better than the, the first one. And you really, really feel like wow. you're, you're just traveling in time because uh, the picture, um, the, the way they shoot the movie, it's exactly the, it's very similar. So you really feel like for two hours, you're just back in the 80s. It's just um, yeah, a great uh, nostalgia movie. It's it, it just they really achieve a lot of many great things with this movie in terms of just entertainment, but also the, the meaning kind of pretty cool statements. All right, interesting. Because I was reading a little bit about it. I didn't I didn't realize how I was I was reading how how like uh, are, they, are they in a war in the movie? But they don't or is it is it a peacetime? It's about uh, preventing a war. Got it. All right, we all have to watch this since none of us, I can't believe none of us have watched this. So, Dan, have you seen it? No, not yet. I was waiting. Uh, frankly, it's all a right. great, I mean, frankly, it's, a, it's a, for entertainment, just up there. Seth, any, all right. uh, any life updates for us before we go? Oh, man, I played, uh, the other week I played tennis against Remy, and he absolutely crushed me. Remy, you've gotten really good. What's your ranking now? You're like a 4.5, you said? Yeah, 4.5. Yeah, 4.5. listening to this week's episode please tune in next week stay safe and talk to you then